most Hello and welcome to episode 82 of What Most People Think. Now, I'll be honest, some weeks when I do this podcast, I sort of think, what, what am I going to talk about? You know, I have to really think, what are the big subjects? Well, it's pretty easy this week. EU shithousery, Labour shithousery, stuff about flags. This is very much what the show, What Most People Think, was made for. We we're very much in our comfort zone here. Uh, now, I have, how's your week been? How's your week? I feel a bit more upbeat. I don't know. I mean... The temperature's nudging up towards double figures. I do actually worry. I do actually worry. Like, you know when it's around about 7 or 8 degrees Celsius? I do have this fear that the government could probably keep us locked up indefinitely. They could keep us locked up indefinitely if it was just a bit on the chilly side. You know what I mean? That, that's the worry, isn't it? All those... This is something we've all had to come to terms with, is all those values of liberal democracy that we thought we held dear. And actually, a lot of it comes down to... Uh, do we have streaming services takeaway? And is it is, is it a bit nippy outside? So I'm kind of hoping that once we push on to like 15 degrees Celsius, people will people will, will change their views, right? People there'll be a bit more of a clamour to uh, actually get out of the fucking house. Now speaking of getting out of the house, uh, I've been doing some out of the housework. Yeah, don't be jealous. Come on, don't be jealous. But yeah, I'm, I might have gone into London a couple of times. Now don't, this is all totally legit as the kids say, because um, they're too cool to say legitimate. You know those other two syllables there? They, they can't be pissing about saying every single syllable in the word legitimate. They've got to say legit, just so that you know that they're legit. Um, but don't report me as a COVID idiot. Is, that, is it me or is that that pun has never really landed? I, I get the impression that the people who say it, are, are they think it's slightly funnier than it is, or they think it makes them sound cooler. Than it does. I'll give you another example, a slightly different example of a phrase like that. Is you know when people say, "Yeah, I just found it a bit tone deaf." I've started to get really annoyed with that phrase because I think that people to call something tone deaf sort of implies that there's just one tone and that you can hear it, which ironically is very tone deaf, isn't it? It's also so I'm off on annoying phrases here, but also uh, people that say guilty pleasure as well. That is basically a person that wants to present as an intellectual trying to explain why the fuck they like Mamma Mia. <laughs> you just like it. So, yeah, look, but going out of the work, get out of the house to do work, is it's been cool, you know? It's been cool. I mean, it is, there is a sort of a, a bit of a I Am Legend feel about going into London. You know that film with Will Smith and his dog? There is a, a slight shade of that when you turn down certain streets. But there, there are people out and about. But you do get a bit nervous. You do get a little bit nervous when you get the old... Uh, when you get get the old pupper flaps, <laughs> it also goes a bit. Yeah, I'm gonna fucking hell, I'm gonna be sitting in a room with some people. Can I still do this? Have I still have I still got what it takes to be with people that aren't my immediate family slash support bubble or dog? You know, maybe I'll start taking my dog with me, like some of these people. You know, when they go support animals. <laughs> I got uh, some great feedback about the episode with Rosie. I also got a few people. That was last week's episode with Rosie Holt. Um, I also got a few people saying that I gave Rosie uh, an easy ride. You know, I, did, I didn't slam her or eviscerate some of her arguments. I mean, I'll say this again. Similar to when we had David Badil on and uh, Marcus Brigstock. Is I, don't, I don't bring people on to tell them their ideas 
are wrong. Certainly the first time people appear on the podcast, the main focus is to find out what they think. Yeah, there might be a couple of inconsistencies, and I think it happened with Rosie. There was a couple of things I sort of drilled down into, you know, certainly the issue around symbolism on both sides with flags and a couple of other bits. But uh, but yeah, that's not I'm not I'm not that guy. Yeah, if you want someone that's going to absolutely eviscerate stuff, then I'm sure just get on YouTube. There's plenty of lads doing that. But one guy that took the piss out of me for giving Rosie an easy ride, he called me Oprah Norcott, which I thought was funny. <laughs> you know, look, I just I just let her tell her truth, right? Were you silent or silenced, Rosie? Um, but yeah, I think next guest, you know, we vary it up. I think next guest will certainly be a bit closer to home politically in terms of the way that I see the world. Um, new patrons, new patrons. Gareth Williams, absolutely must be a Welsh rugby player. Uh, James Walker, both sound like re- Welsh rugby. They, you know, you both of you lot sound like you sound like the pretty boys of the Welsh rugby team, like the kind of the new Gavin Hansons. Remember Gavin with <laughs> pretty boy Gavin Hanson? What's going on with rugby players anymore? Are there any like wrongins anymore? You know, because you used to get Cipriani and you know James Haskell would make the the headlines now. Is it, has it gone like football? Are they just all boring dickheads now. Has it happened to rugby as well? Is there any sport? We still get men. Do you know what I mean? Fighting, gambling. <laughs> um, yeah, really looking forward to the sporting autobiographies that are coming out of this generation. Uh, we also have Laura Giuliani. I don't know if she's related to uh, Rudy Giuliani. Uh, you'd hope not, really, from, from Laura's point of view, given some of the things that we've been made to see. We're, and we've got Chris. We've just got Chris as, as his first name. Uh, we don't have his surname as, as ever. That always means that he's probably working in a, a working environment where he can't be outed as having an ear or even any willingness to listen to somebody with centre-right views. So I'm going to guess that Chris is a male primary school teacher. Are you, Chris, you know, one of those, what is it, 15% of men in primary schools? What a fucking nightmare that is. And and this is, I'm, it's not digging out women. I just think any working environment where you have a heavy gender bias one way, they, they're not great places to work, are they? Can you imagine? Like I've been in that situation working as a, an English teacher in a secondary school and you, you really either assimilate and become one of the girls and basically lose your soul, I would say, and die inside and go, hey, no, it's Chris, so Chris. Tell us, what did you cook this weekend? And Either you do that thing or you just, you double down, you know what I mean? If, if I was in a primary school, I'd be doing, I'd be doing like push-ups uh, <laughs> in the staff room, do you know what I mean? I'll be like fucking Bear grills. I'll be just trying to foraging for food at lunchtime just to let them know I was a real man. So I hope that the fact that you have to conceal your identity here, Chris, doesn't mean that you are, well, an absolute pussy in the workplace. Uh, yeah, and patrons, remember, you keep the you keep the podcast weekly and ad-free. Adverts on fucking everything now. Fair play. Everyone's got to make their revenue. I've gone this way, and I'm always grateful for the support. We also, speaking of patrons, David Domain provides our cuss count of the week. And what I think is interesting about last week was we had Rosie Holt on. So one, it's a guest, and two, it's a lady. Was I a gentleman? Was I more of a gentleman? And I would say that I was, looking at the numbers. Only 22 fuckings, three pisses, six fucks, four shits, and a piss. I mean, that is... Well, did did I suddenly become a vicar or something? That is only coming in at 0.62 swears a minute. You're almost having to wait two minutes for a swear there. Not good enough. Not good enough. No innuendos this week. Uh, Rosie, however, how many swears do you think Rosie did? Instinctively, you're thinking low. I would have said so too. 
One shit. Rosie did one shit during the interview. Okay, so in the show this week coming up, we're going to be talking about flag shaggers. So this is the idea that a lot of uh, lefties are getting pissed off with the Tories leaning so heavily on the Union Jack, and there have been a couple of rows about that to do with BBC Breakfast. We'll also be looking at the uh, the riots in Bristol to do with the... I've got to find out the name. Is it the policing bill? But a quick thank you and a fuck you. Thank you to Disney+. Plus. The sheer amount of content those guys are dropping. I mean, you've got Marvel, all the Star Wars stuff, Pixar. Then you've got new Marvel series coming out that are as good as... I mean, like they're like films. An hour of new film every week. It's movie-level television that they bring. And what is it? It's still six ninety nine, And they've shown a lot of these streaming uh, services. For years, we thought there was no way anyone other than the BBC could operate like a subscription model. You know, just how could... I don't, I don't think any of these American companies could bring us top-quality content. Is it funny when you speak to people about BBC? Obviously, overall, I am a supporter of, of the BBC. It has its issues, but, you know, I'm trying to work from within to help address, be one of the people that helps address those issues. But have you noticed how, like, people don't realise that their feelings about the BBC are based on how much it squares with their worldview? You know, like, yeah, do you, I don't understand. The BBC is such great value. Like, you know, like their news, their dramas, their political comedy. You know, I really like it. I mean, like, sometimes, you know, like Andrew Neil used to know. So basically what you're saying is all the shit that agrees with your worldview is absolutely fine. And anyone, you know, anyone that, that somehow doesn't see it that way is kind of lurching towards a Trump-style Fox News dystopia. But yeah, American American television, man, it's so good. It's so good that I think that they could kind of broker future trade deals by withholding um, TV series, couldn't they? You know, they could starve us out for the next series of The Mandalorian. We would give. We'd go, all right, fuck it. Have the NHS. I just need to know what, <laughs> what happens in the next series of The Mandalorian. Yeah, fuck it. I'll eat chlorinated chicken. I just want to know... What happens in the next series of One Division? You know what? Yeah, fuck it. You could, you could, you can put your nukes here, put your nukes here. Because if the next Marvel film goes straight to, <laughs> what would we sacrifice? It is scary, isn't it? Uh, and the fuck you goes to Virat Kohli. I know this is about cricket, but I think it's a wider point here. So India won the T Twenty series. Obviously, they won the Test series as well. But he is, he's a prick, man. There's something about being the best batsman in the world that evidently puts you on the tosser spectrum, you know, because we had it with Steve Smith, Ricky Ponting, um, just good to name Australian, Steve Wall. But Graham Smith is another good example. Kevin Peterson, a bit closer at home, um, if you count South Africans. So the, there is something about being prodigiously talented as a batsman that makes you a knob. And, and Virat Kohli's got absolutely no grace as a man. And I, I do want him to fail spectacularly, but I want him to fail so he can learn and grow. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's a, such a nice guy. You know, I'll probably like him as a pundit. Do you know what I mean? That's what always happens with these guys. The people that you think are absolute arseholes suddenly as a pundit, you know, you know, he's actually all right. Do you know what I mean? He's got some really like strong opinions. You think, well, maybe that's what made him a great batsman. But I would be very surprised if David Warner... Uh, if David Warner, the Australian batsman, ever became a likeable pundit. Do you know why? Maybe because he was never a world-class batsman. Hey, eh? Stuart Broad found you out, didn't he, mate? Coming round the wicket. I have no... Look, this has gone far too much cricket. Too much. Stop talking about cricket, Jeff, and get on with the show. Hot. 
So flag shaggers is one of these new phrases that we've got to understand and incorporate. The idea that people that are very fond of the Union Jack are too fond, some would say, too fond <laughs> flag shaggers. Sounds like one of those weird sex documentaries, doesn't it? You know, one of those old Channel 4 ones I used to do back in the day when I used to hang out for a bit of nudity on Euro Trash. Remember that? Anyway, flag shaggers. The, the debate has come up this week because the Tories have been uh, fairly keen, fairly keen to associate themselves with the Union Jack. It, you know, it's pretty transparent that it's happening. And I think that it's happening for two reasons. The first is that it works electorally, you know, like YouGov, you know, the nation's shit stirrers that are always polling us on every single fucking thing, you know, just to create as much conflict as possible. YouGov have found that 60% of people find a more positive association with somebody that associates themselves with the flag. So it, it kind of works electorally. So it's effective. Uh, therefore, it being effective means that there are certain elements of the left that they don't want to do things that work electorally. What, what do you mean what, trying to win over the middle ground? We want to we want to reach out to niche groups and and issues that, that confuse the general public. That's what that's where we're winning elections. Okay, associating ourselves with the flag. Keir Starmer giving interviews to newspapers that people actually fucking read. We're against that. And the other thing is, is that they are the party of the union, most demonstrably, right? They're the conservative and unionist party. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's not weird that they would associate themselves with the flag, whereas, you know, the SNP do that. The SNP, well, they, they love a bit of the old salt air, don't they? They love it. But that's OK, because that nationalism is cute and it's fluffy, right? And it's Nicola. Nicola, you know, Nicola's so adorable. And she definitely didn't mislead Parliament because the inquiry that I chose to focus on said that. I'm just going to ignore the other ones that said otherwise. Just just pick your own fucking inquiry when it comes to Nicola. But yeah, the Union Jack. No, that is as bad as negative. It's, it's an endorsement of slavery. Um, but no, it makes sense that the Conservative and Unionist Party are going to have some sort of association with the Union Jack. And you get this phrase, flag shaggers. Now, I'm not saying I would ever have sex with a flag. Um, but having said that, if we were if I was stuck on a desert island and I had to somehow, I don't know how this fictional hypothetical scenario plays out, but I had to to keep society going uh, the Union Jack would be number one on my list. It's a, it's a sexy looking flag. I, and I mean that purely on basic aesthetics, right? It's what they would call what? Like a, a design classic. Yeah, you know, like the old Campbell's condensed soup tins for whatever reason. They just, everyone acknowledged this was a design, like Stormtroopers in the Star Wars films. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a good flag. So uh, amid this sort of febrile flag shagging debate comes a moment on BBC Breakfast when Charlie State uh, was speaking to British government minister Robert Jenrick. I've said this before, but I just think Jenrick just sounds like, I don't know why, he sounds like one of those conscious rappers, you know, the new album from Jenrick. He sounds like he knows he's mates with Drake or J. Cole or people like that. Jenrick's new album, feeling the, <laughs> feeling the COVID vibes from Jenrick streaming now he uh so he he concluded this interview charlie state with robert jenrick i can't stop thinking about him as like a, a smooth r&b celebrity now but he concluded this interview and he sort of took the mickey out of the size of uh robert jenrick's flag in the background and nagamanchetti had a good laugh at it 
And, you know, look, it was, they took a mocking tone. It did imply a degree of uh, of ridicule. And then afterwards, right? But, like, it, one of those things that just probably, pre-social media probably would have passed by without much comment. And then and then the clip, uh, because they were taking the piss out of Jemrick, a lot of the kind of, like, uh, Remainer types, EU types, uh, were sharing this clip of it, where they, they were sort of enjoying that fact, the level of ridicule that was being meted out to Robert Jenrick. And the first... In the first instance, it was shared by those sort of people, enjoyed by those sort of people. So you can kind of conclude that maybe the sentiment was a little bit piss-takey, I don't know. But then it was further it was further complicated by the fact that Nagaman Chetty had liked um, liked some tweets that uh, were offensive about the fact... I didn't even see these fucking tweets. I mean, it always sounds like the worst playground politics. When you get into the realms of saying that and then they liked something, but they liked a comment, but... No. Someone in the BBC has obviously had a word with Nagaman Chetty and said, in fairness to the BBC, uh, yeah, given our current challenges of making the rest of the country think that we're not some sort of woke-topia, it would be sort of handy if sort of faces of the channel weren't openly sort of taking the piss out of the Union Jack or certainly endorsing tweets uh, where other people were, right? Do I mean, do, do, I have to ask myself at this point, do I give a shit about this stuff? Do I give a shit if Charlie State and Nagam and Chetty want to have a little bit of a giggle about a Union Jack? Not not really, not really, but but this is where this is the sort of consequence of where we've been heading for some time, haven't we? We've had, and I don't want to say the left started it, but the left started it, right? Is this constant attempt to get people in trouble for things that they've said, things that they've shared things that they've liked. It's been going on for what? It feels like five, six years now. I mean, they tried to cancel John Wayne for fuck's sake, for stuff that he said in the 50s, right? So this this atmosphere of kind of getting people in trouble and reproach about opinions has been coming for a long time. And lo and behold, surprise, surprise, uh, people on the right wing now have started doing it. So we're seeing kind of like non-binary snowflakery. And, you know, as a, as a liberal, I kind of favour non-intervention in social interactions in a broad way. But, you know, you, you sort of have to understand that the BBC, on the other hand, are fighting um, a battle here. And if you're a face, they're not saying that nobody on the BBC can have an opinion, but if you're sort of like a face of the channel, it does help them to seem impartial. <clears throat> then flag shaggers trends, right? And uh, one look, one look, if you just looked at some of the posts of the people posting about this, <clears throat> a lot of them had the EU flag in their biographies, right? Well, you get to this hypocrisy then. It just shows how selective it all is. Well, you're thinking, like, you do realise that you're just you're just picking the flags that you like, you know what I mean? If you're mocking sentimental and symbolic attachments, maybe it's worth asking which ones you have, you know? Because yeah, you should never, it's just ridiculous to shag a flag, you know, says person draped in EU, BLM, Extinction Rebellion, Rainbow Flag, <laughs> fucking Sainsbury's. Anyone that agrees with them, right? And yeah, this culture war is it's always selective. And this war that the left, a lot of people on the left have been fighting for so long with getting people in trouble for things that they say, think or do. Well, lo and behold, the right-wingers have started doing it. So we've got ourselves a fucking ocean of snowflakes. What this definitely isn't, okay? So when Nagamanchetti apologised for liking those tweets, there were a lot of people that were saying, we're basically living in a fascist state. I would, I would say, I'd like to, I mean, what I'm going to say now is going to sound really fascist, but I'd like to round up 
<laughs> I'd like to round up all the people that say that. And I'd like to, at the very least, put them on a reality show living with fascism, where they spend a year of their life actually living under fascist rules. And then I think that maybe they might understand that, uh, you know, uh, a face of the BBC being asked to just not like tweets that seem to be offensive about the Union Jack is not exactly fascism. Do you know what I mean? It's not exactly fascism. And it does seem odd when it comes to uh, people that would mock the anti-lockdown demonstrators for saying that being locked in our homes is fascism. (laughs) and and being fined for leaving the country's fascism they're like no no none of that is fascism that's just just being a nice person okay i tell you is fascism is having to apologize for liking a tweet that's fascism okay so just a quick hype here the tour the tour is on sale and it's selling it's selling well people people believe you know also bear in mind that you're not going to be able to fucking go abroad probably as it seems so you're going to need lots of little things booked in your diary things to look forward to look at it as a holiday you know it's just a holiday that lasts an evening and it's in a room for two hours with a comic but i've got tour dates my tour i blame the parents i'm going to be going to peterborough the key theater now i sold out very quickly in the smaller room last time there i've upgraded to the bigger room and i it's sold all right but what the fuck's going on are you people in a peterborough where it's open what's happening you all gone aground living like fucking weird peterboroughians Moles, you living like moles now? I mean, let's be honest, I'll be in Peter, right? Uh, probably underground is the best place. Wait, 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 I could. I was so, I was so pleased with my cliched Peterborough gag there. That I, I, I muffled it. It's a shithole. That's what I'm saying. Look, you should never say somewhere's a shithole unless it's Peterborough. Did Jeff? Is this your way of selling tickets in Peterborough? I think it's no, no. Peterborough's got its nice bits, uh, and that nice bit is St Ives. <laughs> oh, local humour. Local humour. I look forward to getting back out on the road and just slagging off the towns that I'm in. Uh, Milton Keynes. We're going to be back in Milton Keynes. Big room there. Sold out last time. Selling well again. Leeds City Varieties. Another big room. Selling well. And Birmingham. The Old Rep Theatre. So these are all dates in the autumn. Go to Live Nation. Uh, just type in Jeff Not People still go to me. How can I find it? Are we really at the point where we need to be told how to Google Jeff Norcott tour? I mean, like... Do you, do you still have friends like that when they come to visit you? Obviously, you know, not for last year. I'm not a COVID idiot. But, you know, when they sort of go, uh, okay, uh, can can I ring you? I'm outside that. You're, you're acting like Satnav doesn't exist. Why the fuck have I got to walk you in to, to, to my house like a military operation? Okay, okay, I've turned off a road and I'm outside a Tesco Express. Well, you've just turned off the wrong road there. So what you need to do is look again at the postcode that I sent you and see where you went wrong, okay? And not be fucking bothering me. I don't want to have to stand outside, kind of like, you know, with my hands, I'm waving you in. Like, you know those guys, those little lights that wave in the aeroplanes and show them where they've got to park? Fucking, you're a grown-up. Speaking of grown-ups, or a lack of them, we had uh, a protest in Bristol. Um, Now, if you don't know Bristol, if you listen to this outside Britain... It's it's like Portland in the US. It's probably the most militant. I don't think the country realise realizes how left wing Bristol has become. It's become sort of like they thought they thought Jeremy Corbyn was like a Tony Blair shill. You know what I mean? <laughs> Blairite scum, centrist grandpa. Uh, yeah, they're pre- it's pretty militant. You know, of all the places that I tour, it's probably the most left wing place that I go. So they had a protest on Sunday night about the police 
crime sentencing and courts bill. I think the the way the Tories have done this, they've given it a really clunky name to stop people talking about it. And those protests became, guess what? Aggressive and violent. I know. Yeah, a small minority. It's always a fucking small minority, isn't it? A small minority. These peaceful protesters, these poor guys just showed up. Maybe it's it's the same people. Maybe small minority is actually the name of like a civil protest and unrest and direct action group. So when they say a small minority turned aggressive, maybe that's just like their name, like they're a band. This week, small minority are going to be rocking up a BLM, XLR, anything with a fucking acronym. And they and it got pretty tasty. You know, there was a fight with the old bill. There was uh, coppers with broken bones. There was um, <clears throat> two police vans burnt out. But, uh, but you know, it started off peaceful. They all fucking start off peaceful, don't they? You know, I, I just like there to be one riot that started off violent, straight away was violent, and then got gradually more peaceful over time. <laughs> I mean, look, and you know, you saw the scenes, it looked pretty shocking. I would say that, you know, in Bristol, outside of lockdown, that's a fairly standard night, any day of the week. You know what I mean? Burning cars, fucking bins being set on fire. <laughs> just fairly standard night. We've got comfortable in lockdown, that's the thing. Now, the protest was called Kill the Bill. I would argue that, you know, if you don't want there to be aggression on these protests, maybe don't make it sound so fucking murderous towards the police. Kill the Bill. Yeah, we just don't understand why it got aggressive on the Kill the Bill. What, what the protest that sounds like Kill the Old Bill. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Let's just change it to something slightly less incendiary, like Exterminate the Plod, or, or just Shoot a Policeman in the Face March. And you, you saw the scenes and it was the usual people, the usual people, like white trustafarians, white trustafarians out and about, you know, getting viral content to show off to their little kind of radical friends, using their furlough money. Construct- you tell me this, right? If people were had to work on Monday, do you think they'd be setting fire to police fans on a Sunday night? Maybe a Friday, possibly a, yeah, a Saturday. On Sunday, you'd be going, oh, do you know what? Actually, I am on early's tomorrow. So I'm going to have to save my kind of arson. Uh, I only do arson on Fridays, Saturdays, you know, Sundays. I just like to have a quiet one and watch Heartbeat. Now I know that was an old reference and Heartbeat isn't really on. But that, to me, that still defines the boring program you watch on a Sunday night because it's Monday the following day. And, you know, there was actual actual damage done. You know, it was, it was rough. You know, there was people people injured. And it's great for Boris, isn't it? It's great for Boris Johnson, whose life is made easier continually by his enemies, right? He's got issues to face. You know, there are issues over what's happening with uh, exports. But, the, you know, his life is being made easier, Boris Johnson, by the EU acting like cockwombles yet again. We're going to stop the exports of the vaccine that we don't believe is good for you. So, yeah, makes sense, you know. Um, then there's questions over strict policing. Now, let's just get this out there. You know, what the protesters were originally saying, I had a lot of sympathy with, you know. There are this issue with the right to peaceful assembly and whether or not you should be able to uh, break up a protest because it's noisy. I'm not entirely comfortable with all of that. But then you get the toy town revolutionaries, don't you? They come in and they don't care whether or not... This totally undermines their cause, doesn't it? If there was one way that you wanted to sell the idea to Middle England that maybe the police do need more powers, I would just set fire to two police cars right now. If you want to lose the argument really quick, just fucking set fire to police fans. All you need to do, lads. All you need to do. And, 
you know, those images go go viral and be great, great for them, isn't it? They've got a little video that they can share with their fellow soap dodging mates. Uh, <laughs> I've become an old fart, haven't I? I've become an old fart to the point where the fact that they don't look like they wash enough is part of what annoys me. You know, you go, yeah, goddamn hippies. <laughs> you know, like when you see films set in the 70s when you're a kid and all the old people are against the hippies and you kind of thought, why, why are the old people being so mean? Why do you... And then you realise, you know, once you've got to a certain point in life and you've realised that life involves hard work and just knuckling down. But yeah, people that are just out on fucking Sunday nights setting fire to police fans, it, it does kind of great. It does kind of great. Certainly the idea that I might be paying for these pricks. What most people think. So, you know, the police, the police a week after rugby tackling women at a vigil. <laughs> what is going on in this country? A week after that. They seem to have a bit of sympathy back and people sort of reminded that, yeah, it is quite, it's quite a tricky job. And then you get two Labour MPs, right, who remind us very particularly where that party are sometimes in relation to the country, right? You've got Zara Sultana first, who, I look, I, you know I do names. She does sound, that is a, that does sound like a made-up name, Zara Sultana. It sounds, like, it sounds like a character from a David Walliams novel. And she tweeted something originally that didn't really sort of blame the protesters for setting fire to the vans enough, and then she deleted that. And then later, the same day, you had Nadia Whitmore, MP, who was on Politics Live, and Joe Coburn gave her numerous opportunities to condemn the setting fire of a police van, which you should just fucking do, right? And she was a bit like, well, you know, we just we don't really know what happened. <laughs> Let's wait to find out what happened. I'm like, ah, well, we've got two meat wagons looking like burnt out disposable barbecues so i would say we have a couple of leads mom yeah we have a couple of very strong leads as to what happened this is a problem isn't it you've got some labor mps they're so wedded to their activist base that they have to they have to toe the line right because these people are out there they'll push fucking leaflets through letterboxes and you know they have to keep them happy and they love signaling to that political constituency in the same way tories are signaling with their union jacks, right? It's just signaling, signaling. Oh, why can't I say words of ends in? They're just signaling to a much bigger constituency. You know, Sultana, Zara Sultana, <laughs> she used it like, uh, I don't know if you saw, there was a speech that she did at the vigil for Sarah Everard, the one that happened in Westminster the day after the Clapham one. And she gave the speech, you know, she spoke about certain uh, issues that women face with their safety. You know, fair enough, right? But then she just... She just went off on one. She just went. She goes, women can't walk the streets because of the patriarchy. Because of the patriarchy. Yeah, the patriarchy. We had a meeting and we thought we're not having women walking the fucking streets. We'll see to that. It's just, it just felt like she just wanted to say the word patriarchy. You know? <laughs> she just had a little tick list of words. Yeah, women and girls. Yeah. Uh, patriarchy. Yep. Yeah. Glass ceiling. Yep. Done. Right? That's how you deliver an activist speech in 2021. And I feel sorry for Keir Starmer um, because he'll always, he'll always have MPs who will kind of cause problems for the Labour Party publicly because they'll want to signal to the activist base that they're on side. They're an ally, right? And often the things that they signal, they signal over will be the exact things that terrify Middle England, you know? So it's not hard. All Nadia Whitmore had to do, it was really easy. She could have still made her signals of support and still, of course, delivered her views about the problems with this bill that the Tories are putting through. I agree with a lot of what she's saying. Just say it, Nadia. Say it. Say, setting fire to police fans isn't good. 
so we just got one letter here uh, this week, which I thought warranted a mention. You know, you can always get in contact with me to talk about anything from the podcast, what most people think, UK at gmail.com. Okay, if you want to react, if you think I've got something right, wrong, or you want to add some information, I enjoy the dialogue. But this is this is the one letter I've had this week. And it's from Robert Pratton. Okay. And it says, Tory approved sitcoms, you're having a laugh. Exclamation mark. And I don't know. I don't know what he means there. I don't know. Like if he's got the email address, is that because he listens to it? Or is it that he's just found in my old Twitter feed? Because sometimes I post the email address and he just wanted to let me know that he thinks that's a bad idea. I would I would argue that it's not an idea that is happening. I mean, like that's one thing, you know, with these right wing, left wing comedy debates that we have every so often is is people really go off on one about what are they bringing back Jim Davidson, are they? Bringing back Roy Chubby Brown. I just I don't think Roy Chubby Brown has even even declared his politics at all. People just think that things that are, offend them are right wing. <laughs> it must be right wing because it offended me. Um but yeah, Tory approved sitcoms, and then we go to the level of you know I've had I've had this for quite a long time. People just presuming that I could just I could just take a shit on the pavement and that would get commissioned and made into a sitcom. I wish that were true. I wish that were true. I, I don't know why they get and they high. They're so defensive a lot of these people because the reason that they don't like the idea of right wing comedy or anti woke comedy or whatever you want to call it is because they spent so long. Cozy in their idea, right? It's just, you know, right-wing people just aren't funny. You know, they're just, it's just not. It's just like our thing. They didn't realise how ridiculous that was and how ironic it was that, you know, that was the same argument people once said about female comics, you know, or same argument people would have said about Asian comics, right? Like, you just, just the idea that, that one set of human beings could be inherently funnier than the other. You know, but how can you make being anti-immigration funny? Well, you know, that's presuming that all right-wing people are anti-immigration. It's certainly more common on the right, but you're, but it's not by all means. When you you take your your most pure and committed capitalists, they 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 want a government to stay the fuck out of most things. They, you're absolutely purest and most committed capitalists would want as much immigration as possible, as cheap a fucking labour as they could get their hands on. A Tory-approved sitcom. I don't even know what shape that would take. I mean, they would probably take as their example, like, Till Death Does Part, you know, uh, and they'll look at Alf Garnet and think, well, he's, yeah, he's, like, right-wing, he's a Tory. As though at the time in the 60s and 70s that the, the Labour voters wouldn't have held those views as well. Do you know what I mean? You t- take me to... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Take me to 1960s fucking... Do you know what I mean? Bolton. Well, it was just a hotbed of progressivism, was it? Progressivism. It just inspires me. It inspires me, the idea. It's just hilarious to me. And this is why I started talking about politics in the first place. Was It just? It was hilarious, the idea that people said, well, right-wingers can't be funny. It was just such a ridiculous sentiment. So, yeah, maybe that's how we do it. How we solve it is that you send me in ideas for Tory-approved sitcoms, right? I'm looking for ideas, but also titles. And if it gets commissioned and gets made and I get very rich out of it, I will, of course, I'm not going to leave you hanging if it was your idea. I will definitely probably give you like two for one on tickets on one of the tour shows. I can't say fairer than that. Okay, that is pretty much the end of the podcast here. And after my stand, I always read out the ratings, uh, the reviews at the end. And I had a bit of a breakdown last week because there weren't any new ones. And it's a standard thing. I try to... 
gloss over it, but I'm clearly gutted. And then you good people out there, you know I read out the five-star ones, and you give me a few reviews to to get my pecker back up to full length. Um, this is from Saj. Uh, enjoyable even for a loony lefty. I initially listened to his episode with Owen Jones and have gone on to subscribe. Enjoyable and funny even to a self-confessed loony lefty. Uh, I found that his podcast actually shows that the difference between the left and right is not as big as our politicians would have you believe. Good fun and thought-provoking. Yeah, you're probably right, actually. But these things have been exaggerated. Uh, this is from Andy Robbo, Andy Robbo 69 A genuinely funny bloke coming from the right side of politics, inverted commas. Okay. Um, Jeff, this is from Kilroy Silk. Really? Really, Kilroy Silk? Uh, Jeff is obviously a very funny person and an excellent communicator. Once you realise his views are centre-right and his roots are centre-working class, it all makes more sense and the inconsistencies can be overlooked. But look, inconsistencies are where comedy comes from, mate. That's one thing that makes me laugh. People say, yeah, what you said there doesn't make sense. Well, it's a good thing I'm a fucking comedian then. Uh, this is from Shabuya. Shabuya, 45. Humorous respite from a world falling to pieces. Top class from the Norcott. Um, oh, I miss Garage MCs. Yes, yes. Still two for ones on the vodka jellies. <laughs> Uh, this is from Lukey Griffgroff. Uh, I've never laughed so much since you said your mum's Jim Davidson. I think, yeah, I think I remember that from a podcast. Somebody called me Jim Davidson. And very maturely, I said, your mum's Jim Davidson. Proving the old maxim that if you just turn around exactly what someone said to you uh, and, and use the word your mum, it's funny. So, for example, someone said to me, uh, you're, uh, if someone said to me, you're a wanker and your political views don't make sense, I go, your mum's a wanker. <laughs> political views don't make sense. It never fails. Uh, this is one from Jonathan Philip Green. A great weekly dose of sensible logic in a mental world full of stupid, stupid woke nonsense. And this is from Colin Creosote. Just sounds like a character from Viz. Thank folk for podcasts like the last, like this, the last bastion of free thought and taking the piss out of the freak show with no fear of being cancelled as yet. Well, this is the point, isn't it? Uh, some people sometimes get offended by me, and I think Jesus Christ, if you're offended by me. This is what most people think. I'm coming from very close to the centre ground of British political thought. So get out there. Get outside your echo chamber and you'll probably find that most people don't see the Union Jack as a symbol of uh, oppression. They sort of see it as a symbol of the country that they live in and like to live in and they hope stays together, which I don't think is unreasonable. Lockdown. 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 